Hi there, and welcome to Off Curve. I'm Steve Lubitz, a.k.a. Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone while I am driving home from the train station. It is Monday, October 23rd, 2017. I am not doing much better on the ladder than the last time I talked to you. So, uh, you know, like I said last month, or last month, last month, last week, uh, this this month has kind of been a recovery month for me after hitting Legend, and I can definitely feel that. Like, I've... The difference between when I hit Legend last month and me being pretty much stuck at rank 5 since I got there early in the month this month has really been a matter of focus. And <clears throat> focus, you know, in terms of discipline of picking a deck and sticking to it, is something that, at least for me, is a, has to be kind of a conscious thing. And that's not really happened this month. So I, I've been kind of... I, I, a lot of it has just been that I've been... You know, when you play the same deck over and over again to get yourself to Legend, it, it you know, you feel confident with it, but it also... It feels really familiar. And... You know, it's something that I've been kind of struggling with. Big with Big Priest. Also, the fact that the the decks that it is trying to prey upon have gotten more big. I guess is really the right word. Uh, Tempo Rogue has just gotten more and more oppressive as the month has gone on. And I mean, you kind of see that in in the difference if you watch any esports and the difference between the uh, Hearthstone Championship Tour where they had all the lists that were locked in like a week and a half ahead of time. So there's like a th- uh, like a, a total three-week difference between the decks that were brought to that tournament and the decks that were brought to DreamHack Denver this past weekend. And there, the players that did well predominantly banned Rogue. And, and the reason is just because it has so many power turns that when you're trying to play any sort of a control deck, it's just, it's got too many big things, and if they draw well, it's really hard for you to react to all of them individually, or even as a group. I was trying to, Zelay's been playing close to top one legend, he's been trying to get there for a few days, he's been at like top ten, and he was playing Big Priest at one point, and he was actually teching in Circle of Healing and Embrace the Shadow, which is something I was trying today, and and it worked reasonably well. I think a two a two mana board clear, when you get both cards, is good. And you know, I mean, you're taking out Silences and Holy Smites for them, which are situational cards themselves. So ultimately, I like the idea. I think the problem is just that you have so many different things to react to, and if they're if they come in the wrong order then it's really hard to be able to get yourself stabilized over those first few turns. Like, if they hit their draws, there's just not a whole lot you can do. A lot like Murloc Paladin used to be, and kind of still is to some extent. And I realize, like, when you get when you start, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting a play style, you start to figure out not only what decks you're good at, but what decks tilt you. Um, and, and one of the things that tilts me a lot is draw RNG, a lot, which is, I mean, which is funny because I'm playing a lot of Big Priest, but Big Priest is actually more consistent than people give it credit for, but, like, the difference between drawing Keliseth on curve and not drawing Keliseth, 
or getting a series of draws in a Tempo Rogue or a Zulok, and then draw, and then you know drawing into them one after the other after the other on curve versus not. Like when I don't draw those and I'm just left with nothing to do, it really tilts me a lot more than playing a control deck where I just don't get the draws. So I've been playing a lot of control decks kind of badly the last couple of days. What I probably ought to do is just go back to Rosakis Priest and see if the the new builds because I haven't really tried that since the nerfs and see if the new builds work any better. I, I think they do. I know I know Blister Guy's been having a lot of a lot of success with that. But the other thing that I've been doing, you know, other than trying every new deck under the sun is uh, I've been playing a decent amount of Arena, and, and it's timely because the patch introduced the Arena changes and is also doing the uh, the dual-class Arenas as of this week. So uh, it gives me a good excuse to kind of talk about a couple of the Arena runs that I've done and help you get an edge and not get not get 0-3'd in your first, uh, your first attempt. So actually, the idea for this episode came from, uh, from Jason Sadler, who DM'd uh, the Off-Curve Twitter account, like, a while ago, like a month ago, and, you know, was listening to me and Andrew talk about cards on Happy Hearthstone, and wanted an episode about Arena, because we, we said some things kind of assuming uh, people under, people understood what we were talking about, and, and it's probably a bad assumption on my part to make, uh, especially some comments about, like, why weapons are really good in Arena. So I want to kind of talk about how to be successful in the Arena. I'm not an Arena specialist, but I... Um, have done my time in arena. I just actually got an 11 win run a couple weeks ago. I've gotten a couple, I've never gotten 12, but I've gotten 11 a few times. I've, I've had a period of time where I was over seven consistently. So, you know, I, I, I know my way around and I think that sometimes it looks like arena is easier than it is. And just changing your mindset a little bit can help you. So, so there's really two parts to arena and one is drafting and the other one is the actual gameplay. So the thing with drafting is that the temptation when you first go into it is that you want to just take all the best cards. And, and to some extent, you should, right? Like, that's not necessarily a bad thing to do. Uh, you want to have good cards in the arena, and obviously powerful cards are powerful. Uh, but what, what ends up sinking a lot of people early is that they, they don't draft a deck. They draft cards. And, and there's a difference there. So, a lot of what you're trying to do in Arena, Arena is really about outvaluing your opponent. And it's a lot about initiative. There's a lot more board, uh, board conflict than there is in a standard constructed game because you just don't get as many spells or as many spells that are going to do what you need to do consistently and you're trying to make the most out of minions on the board. So, one of the things that's really critical about drafting a successful Arena deck is making sure that you have a good curve. And... What this means sometimes is that you end up taking something like a pompous thespian over, say, a bone mare, because you need two drops, and if you don't have two drops, then your opponent's going to get ahead on board, continue making favorable trades turn after turn, and you don't ever get to drop a bone mare. So the generally what you want to do i i remember a long time ago watching ratsmith stream he's a he's a popular arena streamer uh for temp for tempo storm or at least he was at the time i'm not sure if he still is and one of the things that he mentioned and i don't know that it necessarily holds true right now but it's a good thing to start with was a good rule of thumb is six four six you want at the time and again this was before patch 9.1 when they rotated uh only standard into the arena 
but you wanted six two drops, four three drops, and six four drops. Now, I, I think you can probably be a little bit looser on that, but I think a good rule of thumb is that you generally want, say, a third to a half of your deck to be costed between one and four mana. And, and predominantly minions. Spells are different because spells help you know, affect the board, but ultimately you're talking about minions. And the reason is that you're, you're doing, again, you're doing a lot of value trading. So if you can remove a minion and then drop another one, then your opponent's always going to be reacting to you. And so if you don't have minions to play on those early turns, then you're going to fall behind and you're going to lose because it's very hard to catch back up unless you have something like a flame strike or some sort of a board clear. So generally you're looking for a, a good curve through through four mana and into five mana. You generally want a, a few big heavy minions to, to close the game out, some bombs, but you don't necessarily need a lot of them. And you're, you're looking for spells that can help you regain initiative. So you're looking for removal, both hard removal uh, and indirect damage to some extent, and also you know anything that acts as a board clear. So the thing is that you will sometimes take minions like the six mana Murloc that does two damage to all the non-Murlocs because it's a board clear and because it's a neutral board clear. And that's something that's important. Like anything that helps you get ahead on board or catch up if you're behind on board is a good thing to have. Now you could overdo it, but if you stick to those rules, if you, if you worry about getting a good curve early and then getting a few bombs and spells to help you regain board if you lose it, then you'll have a much better time uh, when, you're, when you're playing in the arena if you've drafted properly. So the other thing to understand about the arena is a lot of arena specialists will start talking about offering rates a lot. And I'll be honest, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's important to realize that you're going to get offered class spells more or class cards more than neutral cards. You're going to be offered commons and rares at about the same frequency and then epics less and legendaries obviously you're only going to get maybe one a draft if two if you get any and um that also that the cards from the most recent expansion are offered more than older cards and cards from the classic set which is important when you're trying to decide between two cards that you both want what's the what's the likelihood that i'm going to get it offered a second time and i can get it later so let's say that you're offered um, oh, what's a, what's a good card? In, oh, okay. So let's say that you're offered, say, a Bone Mare or a, um, you know, well, you wouldn't be offered Ultimate Infestation. You're offered some sort of a class card that's also really good. That's, that's a common. Okay. And you're trying to decide between the two of them. If the class card is equally good as, as the Bone Mare, you should take the Bone Mare. And the reason is that you're more likely to get offered the class card again at that rarity than you are to get the bone mare because the offering bonus is higher on the class card. Similarly, if you're being offered, say, well, you're not going to be offered a Vicious Sledgeling anymore because they're gone, but let's say that you're offered a Cobalt Scalebane or you're offered, um, you're offered something that's from like Old Gods or whatever, you should probably take the card from Old Gods because you're, gonna, you're likely to get offered a Cobalt Scalebane later in the draft. Now, again, this is assuming that they're of equivalent value, but if they're, if one is clearly better than the other, you take it, right? And again, what you're trying to do in the draft is like the first 
10 cards, you pretty much just want to take the best card. But after that, the next 10 cards, you want to be starting to think about cards both that complement and um, and fill in the curve to ta- take into account the cards you've already drafted. So, for instance, if you get, like, another Spite Historian, on the second, uh, the second pick, you may not pick it. If you get to, like, pick 13 and you have two dragons, then, yeah, you take it. Otherwise, you let it go. But in general, <clears throat> um, the... What's more important, especially for minions, if there's anything at all like conditional or synergistic about the card, you want to consider it on the merits of the stats alone. Because those synergies are unlikely to happen in an arena draft. So uh, one, one famous example, I think I've talked about this with Andrew on the Happy Hearthstone, is that uh, you know back before the current rotation... Uh, my wife, I, I always ask my wife to help me with my with my arena drafts. It's something we do together. And we got offered anything can happen with the first pick, which, if you don't remember, is a 10-mana card that says resummon any any Murlocs that die this game. And, you know, I, I was like, no, I don't want it. And, and she said, no, we're going to get Murlocs. We're going to get Murlocs. I, I really don't want it. No, we're going to get Murlocs. So I, I acquiesced, and we took anything can happen, and we got offered one Bluegill Warrior throughout the rest of the, of the course of the draft. So basically that card was... 10 mana, summon a 2-1 charge, maybe. <laughs> so you, you want to look at what you have, and if you, you have the, the option to take something with synergy or without synergy early, then you generally want to take something without synergy. But also look at the stats. Like something like Gentle Megasaur or Steam Surger, which is a 4-mana 5-4, is fine, right? Like the, the vanilla test where you take something against like the standard vanilla minion and at the 4-mana slot, you're basically comparing everything to Chill and Yeti, uh, it's fair, right? Like, if, you, if you're taking a 5-mana five 5-4, five a 4-mana five 5-4, even if you don't get the synergy off, you'll just play that, and it's fine. Um, if you're talking about something like, again, Nether Spite Historian, that's a 2-mana 1-3, that's not really all that great, and you probably want to take something else. But, you know, Murloc, Warli- Murloc uh, Vilefin, uh, the Vilefin, the 1-3 for 1 that changes your, your hero power to summon a Murloc, it's a 1-mana one 1-3, it's fine, Right? So look at the stats, and then consider the synergy a bonus. But if you can draft into that, knowing the cards that you have in your deck, just don't go overboard, right? Like, don't, don't favor another Murloc that's bad over a good card just because it happens to be a Murloc. But if you're trying to choose between two equally powerful cards, and one's a Murloc, and you have Murloc synergies, yeah, you take the Murloc. If the other card's clearly better, you take the other card. Okay, so you drafted a deck... And now you're in the game, right? And generally, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to outvalue your opponent. A lot of the ways that these games are won is by one player just getting a board and sticking it and then never letting it go. And then the other player starts playing minions, they get value traded off. A value trade, by the way, is either... There's a couple of terms, trading up, is when you have a smaller minion that can trade off a larger one. So, for example, if you have a 2-mana 3-2 that trades into a 3-mana 4-3, like, you've generally won in that exchange. And then you can also play another minion behind it. So you want to try to trade up or get value trades, which is where a value trade is a trade where you trade into a minion and your minion lives and your opponent's minion dies because then you get to get another attack out of that minion. 
And if you keep doing that, eventually you just, you know, you snowball card advantage. And because you're not going into specific deck strategies the same way that you would be in Constructed, generally card advantage is what you need in order to, uh, to carry yourself to victory. So you're, you're looking for value trades. You're looking for ways to build a big board state. You're, you're also, like, you don't play around a lot in, in Arena, but you do play around common cards. So if you think about <clears throat> if you think about whatever your opponent's most likely board clear is, especially if it's a common or a rare, uh, maybe even an epic, depending on how dominant your board position is, you generally want to play around that as best you can. So for example, let's say that you're playing against a paladin and you and they have four mana, you want to be playing around consecration. That's the most likely card they're gonna have that's gonna ruin your day. Right? So how do you play around Consecration? Well, you play minions that have more than two health. And if you have the choice to trade between two minions, if you have a trade that will leave one minion at more than two health and kill another, or a trade that will leave both minions at two health or less, then you trade off the smaller minion and you leave the bigger one. And even though it, it kind of sounds like it contradicts what I just talked about in terms of trying to get value trades, but that leaves you less exposed to a play like Consecration, because if they Consecrate, then both your minions die to one card, as opposed to one minion living or, you know, just being wounded, and then being able to get another attack. So you want to play around those cards. The other thing that you can do is just not play minions into a big swing turn until you can see that they have it. Like, sometimes Flame Strike is not as common as it used to be, because they lowered the offering rate on it. But sometimes you would just kind of play a bunch of little minions that you didn't care about into it, or play a big minion and a bunch of small ones, force them to flame strike, and then start dropping your minions behind it. So you don't really play around a lot, but you do play around those kinds of common cards, especially if they're in the most recent expansion, so they're going to be offered more. Um, and the other the other thing about the mulligan, again, your curve is important. If you can curve two, three, four, uh, then you're going to be in really good shape. If you have to skip turn two, it's not the end of the world. But you really want to make sure that you have plays for three and four if you're going to be skipping two. And the way that you use the coin is generally to facilitate that. So you want to use the cur the coin in particular to smooth out your curve for the most part. Again, Rogue is always an exception to any of this because Dagger up on turn two is an acceptable play for Rogue, but for all the other classes. So an example of this would be if you mulligan, you want to mulligan for, for a curve, first of all. So you want to make sure you have plays for two, three, and four if you can. So, which means that if you have a four drop, you probably mulligan and, and a bunch of more expensive cards, you probably mulligan everything away to try to get a smaller, a smaller curve. Um, so that's part of it. And then if you get, um, if you get the coin, you want to use the coin to make sure that you can curve out on every turn. So the different, the, the example here is that if you have say a two drop and two four drops, your temptation might be to coin the two drop on one to try to get ahead, but then that leaves you with nothing for the next two turns. So the better play, because it's better to skip earlier turns than later turns, is you play the two drop on two, and then you coin one four drop on three, and then play the other four drop out on four. And that gives you a play for every turn, and then you're constantly presenting pressure and building a board. If you do it the other way, if they clear your two drop, then you're just sitting there hero powering for two turns, and it's very easy for your opponent to, uh, to get the board back and then snowball it from there. 
Okay, so if all that sounds a little bit overwhelming to you, and I, and I understand it kind of is, uh, you know, arena is a different way to play. And, and if you're going to play it successfully, then it, it takes a little bit of forethought. Um, there are some resources that are out there to help you. Uh, Hearth Arena is a great way to get started. If, if you just want some help drafting a deck, uh, it's kind of an automated algorithm that will take your picks. You can either type them in or there's an overlay if you're on Windows that will suggest to you which, uh, which pick you should take and offer you an explanation why, which is really helpful for getting started. And, and that kind of helps you learn how to draft a deck. And then uh, hopefully eventually you get to the point where you don't need it as much anymore, or if at all. Um, there's also the lightforge.net has a tier list where all of the cards are ranked uh, by class, um, you know, against each other by rarity. So if you are have gotten past the point where you're using Hearth Arena, but you still want like a second opinion as far as which card is better, uh, that's kind of an objective place to go to look for that. Um, they also have a stream. Uh, it's called the Grinning Goat. The the two people behind it, Adwokta and Murps, uh, they do a stream called the Grinning Goat, and they also do coaching on the stream occasionally for subscribers. So if you subscribe to them, or if you just want to watch other people get coached, sometimes that's helpful too. Um, I find coaching streams are really helpful to learn because you're getting a lot of explanation that you wouldn't get otherwise. Um, if you're looking for other streams, then um, another place that you can go is Hafu is a really really great arena streamer. She's probably the best in the world. Um, so I'd absolutely recommend her stream. Uh, again, Ratsma is a player who I mentioned before who plays for Tempo Storm. And then Shady Boney is a player for Faded Karma. So if you're in Europe, uh, he is an EU streamer. So he, he might be streaming on times that are uh, more favorable to when you're likely to watch. Um, and of course, you can always, uh, you know, hit me up if you have questions. I'm always happy to help. Um, you can find the show notes and all these links at offcurve.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at OffCurve. If you just want to get notifications for when new episodes go live, um, or if you want to DM questions like Jason did to uh, inspire this episode, uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, my personal account's Wicked Good. Uh, you, you know, you'll find whatever I happen to be thinking about that time, uh, which sometimes is Hearthstone, and a lot of times it's Hearthstone, and sometimes it's not. And um, you can follow me on Twitch at Wicked Good FM. I am hopeful that the new patch will allow me to start streaming again, time permitting, without having to install Windows, so hopefully I'll be able to get that started up. I've been, I've been messing around with some things. And, uh, of course, you can leave a review on iTunes. It helps out a lot. We got, I got my email full of uh, new reviews this past week. That was really great. I had three, three new reviews over the past month from uh, The Avatar um, and uh, YT35 and Aaron2345, and all of them were five stars. I, I, you know, they don't have to be five stars, but I would certainly appreciate that. Uh, and I do appreciate that. And, and it does help the show, uh, you know, get a little bit more exposure. Like, I don't have a Patreon. I don't ask to be, uh, you know, you to contribute to anything. So that's just like, if you want to support the show, that's one way, other than, you know, telling a friend in person, or or, or specifically, you know, it's one way that you can support the show. And, and I, I do appreciate that a lot. So uh, anyway, that's it for me for this week. Good luck with the dual class arenas this week. Uh, good luck to me getting myself out of rank five hell. And I will talk to you next week. Have a good one.